sweep the leg. You have a problem with that? No, Sensei. Get him a body bag, Johnny! Yeah! podcast this is your host with the most mike mac masunas how's everybody doing today oh man i'll tell you uh it's been uh been a rough week man uh my wife my wife's gotten really sick lately past month she uh she actually was in reverse um normally a sinus infection leads to bronchitis but instead she got bronchitis first and then after she got the medication to get rid of the bronchitis, the bronchitis then left to a sinus infection. So she was going backwards. She's had a fever for about a good month. Uh, it varies between 100 to 101. And she's just always nauseous. It, it's just really, really bad. So uh, if you can just keep my wife in you know, thoughts, prayers, whatever it is you guys do, that would be awesome. Because it's been a, it's been a rough time here. And hopefully things get better she's uh she went off to work today and uh hopefully everything works out good for her and i hope she gets better soon so um other than that everything's been pretty good with me um pretty excited to talk some pet cemetery today got a lot of emails uh just gonna talk some random stuff and i even got another new uh, new email so that was uh, pretty cool from a new emailer I should say so before I get into the review of Pet Cemetery, let's go ahead and get into some movie and music news So first news that's come up recently is Sony is more than likely going to axe Ghostbusters 3 because of Bill Murray's lack of interest. See, uh, Bill Murray, he hasn't, they think that the movie's not going to work unless Bill Murray is in the film and they haven't got any response from him, whether he's read the script or if he's read the script, he hasn't made any offers or talked about it. Me personally, I have no issues if they don't make a Ghostbusters 3 because technically I got my Ghostbusters 3, as I said before in previous episodes, if you play Ghostbusters, the video game, whether you play it on the PlayStation 3, the Xbox 360, PS2, I mean, it was on pretty much every platform. You pretty much got your Ghostbusters 3. It takes place exactly uh, in 
years after part two and it brings the storylines of part one and two together and really fun great game everybody was back in that game uh, it was super fun it was actually written by Harold Ramis and Dan Aykroyd excellent game pretty short but it's really good game and for me I ain't got no problems if they don't make a Ghostbusters 3 in fact I think it might tarnish things if they do make a Ghostbusters 3 but you know I guess time will tell and see what happens there I watched the Scream Awards and uh, I don't really like award shows that much but the Scream Awards are always fun and it's pretty cool because uh, they had the most anticipated movie uh, award and nominations were like Avengers and uh, a couple other films and they said and the winner is and like none of these it's actually the Dark Knight Rises and it was pretty cool and you got to see uh, got to see Catwoman show up and Commissioner Gordon and uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt show up so it was pretty cool um, I really enjoyed the Scream Awards I got to see some um, brand new trailers which would be like Piranha Triple D which was hilarious trailer Mr. David Hasselhoff is in it so I'm super pumped for that good times um, other interesting news is if you're a fan of the Punisher and uh, I really dig the Punisher especially the Thomas Jane version they're actually going to be making a TV series out of it so I'm pretty excited about that not a whole lot of details I have on that but it's looking to be uh, 2012 is when they're planning on getting that out so uh, I'm pretty pumped to see where that's gonna go hopefully it'll be pretty successful and uh, and I'm, I'm real interested to see it so we shall see how that turns out uh, Angelina Jolie is actually writing and uh, she wrote and is directing a film it's uh, going to be called In the Land of Blood and Honey and I saw the trailer yesterday it looks pretty intense so I recommend that you guys check out that trailer and give it your own thoughts it'll be interesting to see how she pulls uh, that off but from the trailer it looks like she's doing a pretty good job but only time will tell so in uh, music news my biggest music news piece I have is on the Facebook page. If you're not a fan of the Facebook page, just type in Sweep Delay Podcast at Facebook. Go ahead and like the page because if not every day, every other day, I'm throwing up some new topics out there. I usually have about uh, five people. Uh, we constantly talk to each other all the time. Um, it's always a blast to talk and uh, I have this uh, music segment going on where I basically take uh, either a couple albums that I've recently gotten and I throw some quick reviews out there I'm going to be doing singles soon and one of the things I said is uh, name your if you could what's your top 10 favorite albums or your top 10 favorite singles now here's the difference between music and movies you know movies it's so easy to have a list but with music there's I mean I have like 3,000 songs in my iPod and I can honestly say that I consistently listen through all three of all 3,000 of those versus movies it's kind of hard to watch 3,000 movies I mean music's only like three minutes long you know so it's kind of hard to put music in a top 10 uh, list but there are certain albums I have like five in particular uh, two of them have remained in my top two since 1995 
and mine hasn't changed. So I just posed the question, what were some of your favorite, you know, your top 10 albums, if you could list any. And I just want to throw that out to you guys. You know, I had a couple answers, but why don't you guys email it in to me? We'll have a good discussion about it. Send it to sweepdelaypodcastyahoo.com. I want to hear, what are some of your favorite all-time albums, your favorite songs, your you know your favorite artists just get some good conversation going especially on the facebook page interact with other people it's been good times get to hear different people's perspective on genres and stuff like that uh that's something that uh, i'm going to be really focusing on in the next couple of weeks is just getting a lot of music reviews out there and i also do mini movie reviews on there as well any new movie that comes out that i happen to go rent that i didn't see in a theater i throw up a quick review on the facebook page as well just movies that i think are good and that I want to talk about, but not spend uh, on the podcast about it, so to speak. So definitely check that out. And then on Twitter, uh, Sweep Delay Podcast, uh, you just type in STL Podcast, and, and that's me there. So I, that's going to be a good topic. So go ahead and send that off to me, and, uh, and we'll have some good time. So let's go ahead and get into the movie review of Pet Cemetery. What is this place? I brought you here to bury Alan's cat. Daddy, is Church all right? Why, Judge? I have no reasons. I dreamed he got hit by a car and you and Mr. Crandall buried him in the pet cemetery. What did we do tonight, Judge? What we did, Lois, was a secret. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Has anyone ever buried a person up there? May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. You're thinking thoughts best not thought of. presents Stephen King's all-time best-selling tale of horror. Pet Cemetery. All right, so Pet Cemetery. This is one of the movies that won the poll that I sent out on Facebook where I said, you know, now that I'm done with the Halloween series, what are two movies that you want to hear for the Halloween season? And Pet Cemetery was a winner, and so was Freddy vs. Jason. Now, Freddy vs. Jason, I don't know when I'm going to get that out just because next week's going to be kind of hectic because uh, if everything goes well, Tuesday is the day that Ty and myself are going to get together, and we're going to talk to Crow. Now, just to give you guys a heads up on that, uh, I'm recording that episode uh, late. Uh, normally, when I record, it's usually either after work or during the daytime, but he can only get together uh, at nighttime. And uh, when we get together, I won't be able to spend a whole lot of time, probably about an hour. So I just want to give you guys notice that, you know, don't expect like an epic two or three hour long episode. It's really can only talk about The Crow for about a good hour. I'm going to cut out the whole movie and music news section and just pretty much just talk to Ty for a little bit, get right into the movie and stuff because, uh, you know, I got to get up. Um, you know, my wife gets home late that night, and I gotta spend time with my wife before I go to bed, and then I gotta get up early in the morning, go to work, and then I won't see her again till the nighttime. It's kind of how it is with kids. It's basically, you know, I work in the day, she works at night, so it's 
you know, you don't want to piss the wife off, you know what I'm saying? So it's kind of like uh, this would be the first time that my podcasting would get in the way of us spending time together. So I told her that, you know, I'd pretty much just spend about an hour doing it. So I just want to give you guys a heads up uh, that all goes well. We're getting together Tuesday night to talk about it. But just expect roughly about an hour, a little, little bit over that. So uh, in regards to Pet Cemetery, now... If you didn't know, this is a book. It's a book by Stephen King. And the movie came out in 1989. And this is directed by Mary Lambert. So we have a female director, which is pretty cool. And the film is written by Stephen King. He actually does a screenplay, which is pretty cool. Um, Now, the thing with this movie is... There's the movie's really good. I mean the budget was eleven point five million, the box office is about fifty seven million. Especially being a kid, this movie freaked me out big time. Freaked me out. Uh the scene I always think about is the kid coming back at the end and, and cutting the Achilles tendon on the guy's foot. Uh always gives me the willies. But I was really interested in watching it now for the podcast just to kinda kind of look at it more critically and see if it still holds up if I'm still scared and I have to say the movie is really good still has a good creep factor I have really two big problems with the film and one of them is probably just a nitpick versus the other one is just kind of an obvious like seriously why did you go there kind of thing but let's talk about the good stuff so the beginning of the film, um, you're introduced to the Creed family, which your main actor is Dale Midkiff. Now, Dale Midkiff, I'll tell you, I saw him in this movie once. It's called A Cry for Help, the Tracy Thurman story. It was a lifetime film, and it had Nancy McKeon in it from The Facts of Life. And it's a true story about uh, these this girl you know, meets this guy, and they, they fall in love, and she finds out later that he's actually a very abusive person. He always beats up on her, and every time she wants to leave, uh, he says he's sorry. And at one point, uh, after he beats her up so bad, and we start getting the restraining orders going, that the police don't do nothing. This is back in the early 80s, before women really had any rights against restraining orders or anything like that. And to make a long story short, when things get real bad, uh, he... She takes their kid, and he wants to see her, and he pulls out a knife, and he and it's a very violent where he stabs her and kicks her, and it turned out to where, I mean, he cuts her face open, and you see stitches, but when he stepped on her head, it's uh, one side of her body that uh, cannot move has feeling, and the side of her body that can move has no feeling. And, uh, and it actually created helped create women's rights. It's a very sad story. And he's a very scary individual. And he does the part great. Especially there's certain looks on his face that when I look at him, just, I get freaked out because I saw that movie. So watching this movie, and there's a couple scenes where his face just gets real crazy and angry. And it, I automatically get reminisced back to that movie. I highly recommend you check out that movie if you can find it. Again, it's called A Cry for Help, The Tracy Thurman Story. And he's in that film. And he is so good at being so bad. Um, Very dramatic, great film. But he's the main guy in this film. And their next-door neighbor 
is played by his name is Judd. And he's played by Fred Gwynn. Now, Fred Gwynn, he's from the TV show The Monsters back in the 60s. Uh, m- most recently, you're going to know him from My Cousin Vinny with good old Daniel son, Ralph Macchio. Excellent film. Joe Pesci's in it. And where they live at, the road is filled with high-speed truckers that just drive by 80 miles an hour easily. And... He tells them about the pet cemetery that's kind of in their it's not really in their backyard, but there's a trail that leads there and past that pet cemetery is an ancient Indian burial ground, which we'll get into in a little bit but uh Lewis Creed he's working at the university of maine it's uh it's a hospital now one day he's um treating this car accident victim. his name's Victor Pascal now he dies on the operating table and he basically, before he dies, just kind of wakes up and you don't know if it's a dream or not. He's on the poster. Real scary looking dude, but he's actually he's actually a good guy in this film. And that night, he kinda, you kind of think he's having a dream, but Victor visits Lewis in his sleep and he warns him about the burial ground. And Lewis, you basically tell him, don't go to the burial ground no matter what happens. That the that the soil is the soil is basically corrupt or dirty, whatever it is, he says. And Lewis will wake up to find that his feet are covered in dirt. So he realizes that if what he saw was pretty real. So what happens at that point is uh, they have a cat. The cat's name is Church. It's a British short haired cat. And this cat is owned by Lewis's daughter Ellie. Now, here's the thing with Ellie. Now Kid actors, some of them are really, really good. Daniel Harris, Macaulay Culkin. There's other ones that are really bad and really annoying. Now, this girl's basic plot line is she deals with... She doesn't want to deal with death. It's kind of she's being introduced to death and how you know God could bring somebody back if he really wanted to. And I don't want my cat to ever die... And she also has nightmares about things that are happening throughout the film. But she's very annoying. And I don't know if that was meant to be or if that's just the way her presence is. But I liked her in like the first five minutes I saw her. She gets real annoying. And again, if that's what she's supposed to do, then she did the job well done. If she wasn't supposed to be annoying, it kind of hurts it for me. And she's definitely a low point of the film for me because of how just she's so unbearable to watch. Just her, the way her presence is and the way she just cries and whines and ugh, she's just very, very annoying. Uh, Not my favorite kid actor. Now, the other kid actor, which is played by uh, Miko Hughes, uh, he was in a movie with Bruce Willis. That movie was called Mercury Rising, really good. Most recently, uh, well, not really too recent, but he was also in Wes Craven's New Nightmare. Really good. This child actor is the complete opposite. He's cute, he's adorable, even when he got older. Uh, You'll probably know him from Kindergarten Cop. He's the one that says boys have a penis, girls have a vagina. Real hilarious. I mean, even in that film, he was adorable. Uh, He's great in Wes Craven's New Nightmare. Total, uh, total complete opposite between the girl and him. Now, granted, he's probably like two or three years old in this film, 
but he's just so much more likable than the daughter. So again, uh, just moving on from the from the daughter, that's kind of my big problem with her is the fact that she's just flipping annoying. So their cat uh, gets run over by a truck on the road in front of their house while the rest of the family was in Chicago. And what happens is, is Judd takes Lewis to the burial ground beyond the pet cemetery that they had visited earlier. And he tells him to bury the cat underneath the, um, the Karen. But you have to bury your own. Here's the thing with this character. So you're going to later find out he knows exactly what the burial ground does. He knows that everything that comes back becomes evil and it's not what you left it as. But yet he comes across as so happy to help him bury the cat because he knows the cat's going to come back to life because his daughter is absolutely infatuated with the cat it's her cat and the mom has a problem with death because her sister had this um, bone problem and because the mom doesn't want to talk about death and the dad feels like he has to explain death to Ellie she doesn't want her cat ever to die so I think the way it's supposed to come across is Judd feels bad and he knows that Ellie's not going to take it well which is why he wants him to go to the pet cemetery. I get that but the way he plays the part comes across as though I know what's going to happen and that's great and then I'm going to feel regret about it later. It's kind of like if you're you know, a, a church youth leader and you take an innocent kid and say hey why don't you go ahead and smoke this and I promise you you know you're gonna feel better because you're having such a bad day and then a week later when they're now addicted to the weed and they start trying other drugs you feel bad and say oh that's my fault I never should have done that you know it's kinda how I feel with this character I know it's probably a bad analogy but it's the best one I could come up with at the time it's just he kind of annoys me in regards to his motives I guess but that's basically what you're supposed to take the premise as is that Ellie will be fine because church is going to come back so after church is buried he comes back and he acts totally different he actually attacks Lewis uh, reeks of decomposition uh, and despite his injuries he's healed uh, he's got these real cool glow eyes, really good stuff. Uh, Judd tells Lewis about the grounds, and Lewis asks if a person had ever been buried in the grounds, and of course he freaks out. Uh, he's like, no, nobody's ever been buried there. And you're like, well, you can totally tell the way he does that. Uh, somebody has been. And another thing, normally Fred Gwynn I totally dig. You know, he was excellent in My Cousin Vinny. Uh, real entertaining in The Monsters. But for some reason in this film, I had a hard time understanding him. I had to turn the volume up like twice. When I was at like 20, I had to turn it up to 30 just so I could understand them. It's like I almost wanted to put the captions on just so I could understand. It's like he was talking way too fast or he was mumbling his words. And that's not normally what he does. So I was kind of disappointed in the fact that some scenes I had to rewind to be like, what did you just say? So that was kind of annoying too. But other than that, uh, here comes the worst part of the film. Um... 
Lewis Young's son, the one I was telling you about, Miko Hughes, his name is Gage. And they're all out kind of in the backyard and they're flying a kite. And Gage uh, is flying the kite. Real cute. Accidentally drops it. And Lewis' back is turned. And Gage takes off to get the kite. And you kind of see it coming. You see a, a truck cruising down the street 80 miles an hour and you know he's going to get creamed and of course you know when Lewis tries to run and get him he doesn't get there in time and the kid gets smashed and I'll tell you this is my first experience watching a kid get murdered on screen okay uh, real crazy stuff especially when you're a kid watching this kind of messes you up in the head a little bit I was like oh my gosh this kid just got killed now I mean technically this could be a good lesson for you know if you just wanted to show your kids this, hey, don't ever go, don't ever run away from us or go on the road. This could happen. But, you know, that's kind of more like torture to your kids to want to show them something like that. But it, it's a real devastating scene. I mean, it still got to me, even though I knew exactly what was going to happen. Man, and they don't show it, which is a good thing. They don't actually show the kid get smashed. But, I mean, you see his face, you see the truck, Clyde, bam. You know, you just put, your mind does the does the worst damage for you. So it, when his shoe falls off, it's all bloody and stuff, and it, it's complete horrible. So Lewis, trying to deal with this, considers burying Gage in the burial ground. Judd tries to dissuade him from doing so, and he tells him about this young soldier from town. His name was uh, Timmy, Timmy Batterman. He died in service during World War II. Now his dad, Bill, placed his son's corpse into the burial ground. And only to have his son re like come back and terrify the townsfolk. He was almost like a zombie, but he could talk. It's kind of like they're they come back as zombies, obviously evil, but they can talk and they're a little bit more smarter, I guess you could say. And Judd and three of his friends tried to save Bill, and what they ended up doing was burn down the house with his son in it. Uh, Bill's attacked by Timmy. Both they both die in the fire. And Judge believe, uh, Judd believes that the place that, you know, Gage died, um, he kind of thinks that Gage died because he introduced Lewis to it in the first place to bring Ellie's cat back, which is kind of where I'm just like, okay, that that's where my whole theory comes in. Like, oh, you're going to introduce some somebody to something that you know is horrible and you've had experiences of how bad it is but then you're going to feel bad about it later that's the problem i have with this character i know you need this character to get the story moving along and i've read i've only read through half of the book unfortunately so i don't know if he changes throughout the book if he's a different kind of character but that's kind of my problem with this guy is the fact of he intentionally knows that this is crap that you don't bury something there, it's going to come back evil, but yet you're going to feel bad about it kind of thing. But again, we wouldn't have a movie if this guy didn't do that. So that's kind of the thing you got to kind of go along with this. Okay, he's stupid, go along with it, and let's move on. So Ellie and Rachel head off to Chicago because that's where Rachel's parents live. And Rachel, if I didn't mention before, is Lewis's wife. Now, Ellie doesn't want to go to Chicago. She's actually having... This is the point where she starts to have dreams about things that have happened. She doesn't have she doesn't have the dreams before they happen. She has them after they happen. And it's about Pascal 
engaged and she pleads with Lewis to go with them but you know he declines and he says uh, everything's going to be fine now of course he knows everything's going to be fine because he's going to grab Gage he's going to get him out of the cemetery and he's going to go bury him in the pets uh, in the grave in the burial ground now this scene's kind of sad where he actually digs up his son and after he gets him out of the coffin he holds him for a while real sad stuff um Real, it's pretty emotional, but I tell you, it's uh, it's definitely some sad times. So at this point, um, Ellie has a nightmare, stating that uh, Victor warned her that Lewis is going to do something really, really bad, and that he's trying to help Lewis because of the fact he tried to save his life. Now Rachel, with a little help from Victor, uh, his spirit's basically in the house. Kind of, he kind of whispers in Rachel's ear, so to speak. Uh, she realizes who Ellie's talking about, and she calls over the Judd, asking if you know he's seen Lewis, uh, and Lewis, because Lewis isn't answering the phone. So she asks that if he's seen Lewis, and she tells him that he's returning. Now, of course, he's like, no, no, don't come home, don't come home, because he kind of has a good suspicion that he's going to go bury Gage in the burial ground. But this is the point where he knows that because that guy came back bad, Gage is going to come back bad, and he knows he's got to kill his son. But he's not going to tell Lewis that. It's kind of, it's kind of got, yeah, kind of got to be something he does on the back end. You know what I mean? Just kind of keep it on the down low. So this is where the movie starts to get really, really intense. So Gage comes back um, because Lewis so tired, he hits the bed, and he think he thinks he's just going to get a good night's sleep. Gage comes back, breaks into his dad's little medical case, and pulls out a scalpel. Real freaky stuff. So after Gage has the scalpel in his hand, he heads over to the judge's house. He's trying to play a game of hide-and-seek with her. I'll tell you, this kid, man, real creepy voice, you know, uh, when he's just like, I want to play with you, you know, just real creepy, creepy stuff. It's real good times. So when Judd heads upstairs, looks under the bed, flipping Gage cuts Judd's Achilles tendon. Oh, man. And then he slices his mouth, and then he rips out his throat. Real crazy, nasty stuff. I, I held my leg for days after watching this film, thinking something would come out under my bed and cut my my Achilles, t uh, Achilles tendon. Oh, real crazy. And I'll tell you, they got Miko to do some good stuff because you could tell that uh, when he went to go bite his neck, he was real hesitant to lay down and he didn't know if he was supposed to bite or not. That was pretty funny scene. Uh, it's just for a split second though, if you're really looking at it, just the way his face looks, it looks real funny, but it doesn't take you out of the moment though. It's still a good freaky scene. So, and Church, obviously, uh, is watching him do this because, you know, Church and Gage, they're best buds now. So, Rachel gets home and she hears um, what she thinks is her sister Zelda. Um, Zelda, as I said, she had this real bad bone condition and it's almost like they locked her away to die and she feels real bad for that, that there's nothing that she could do. So she hears, um, she thinks it's Zelda calling her name, but it's actually Gage's laughter. It's actually him doing it. She enters Judge's house, finds Gage dressed in one of Judge's old hat and uh, one of his canes. And he tells her that he bought her something and shows her the scalpel. Thinking nothing of it, Rachel hugs out disbelief and he goes and stabs her. 
Uh, real, and they don't show you what happens, but you just hear the scream and uh, and you kind of take your imagination from there. So the finale of the film is basically Lewis wakes up, finds Gage's muddy footprints on the floor, sees his doctor bags open, his scalpel's gone, receives a call from Gage saying, come play with me, daddy. First I play with Judd, and then I play with mommy. Now I want to play with you. Real freaky, crazy stuff. So what does he do? He prepares a shot of morphine heads over to Judge's house, runs in the church. And Church, I mean, throughout the film, Church is terrorizing him. He throws, like, dead rats in his tub. Uh, he cuts his face. Uh, just Church really just plays around with him. What does he do? He takes the cat by the neck and sticks a, a needle up his rear end and kills him. Flipping awesome. Good times. So he walks into the house, and he's taunted by Gage, and he prepares the second shot of morphine. Um, now Lewis searches the house only to find Rachel's corpse falls from the attic hung by her neck Gage leaps from the attic door at this point you're thinking Chucky right I mean he basically looks and acts like Chucky with the movement and stuff he's biting and stabbing him and finally um, Lewis knocks him off the way and Gage heads for him again but you kind of get the the flashback scenes of the good days of dad and Gage before he gets hit by the truck and he takes Gage and sticks the needle right through his neck and he's like ow he starts to cry and he walks away saying no fair no fair he slumps and cracks his head off the back of the wall and I'm like man if he really did that I hope his parents weren't too pissed off that their kid just slammed their head on the back of a wall that's kind of what I was thinking when I saw that scene now uh Lewis soaks the house in kerosene, sets it on fire, carries his wife, his wife's body out. I mean, at this point, Lewis has officially lost it. He's officially gone cuckoo nest. Now, Victor's watching this whole thing, knowing what's going on, tells Lewis how sorry he is, but not to bury Rachel in the same place. Lewis officially is insane at this point, replies that waiting, he waited too long with Gage. He knows this will work because she just died. I mean, he gets that real crazy Joker type laugh oh real crazy stuff lewis sits there on the floor playing charades waiting for her to come home it's midnight rachel walks in the flipping house her face gone with ooze and pus coming out of her eyes and she's like darling and they embrace and she kisses and it's disgusting and i throw up in my mouth every time i see the scene she grabs a flipping knife screen goes black and lewis screams end of the movie so uh (laughs) I mean, what can I say, guys? The film is definitely good. Uh, I would definitely give this movie four stars. I wouldn't give it any higher than four stars just because of uh, two things. Ellie, as I said before, just real annoying. And if she's supposed to be annoying, then she did a good job. But I don't think she was supposed to play an annoying kid. And I, I get the fact that she's being introduced to death and she doesn't want things to die. But I've seen kids play this part way better than this girl ever did. So because of her whininess and her and her fake crying and just her just annoying attitude it kind of drops the film for me and then the fact that Judd is just basically the I like to call him the drug dealer he's just like here take this drug this will make your 
this will make your sorrows go away. And, oh, I'm sorry that I got you addicted to the drug. It's all my fault. You know, that's kind of how I feel with this guy. But overall, uh, the movie still has great scares. The music is good. Uh, still holds up to today. Gage is real freaky. He's really adorable and cute in the beginning. Then he turns into Chucky at the end. Real good stuff. Um, I really like Victor, the dead guy. Uh, sometimes you can kind of tell there's a blue screen or green screen effect. But, you know, this is 89, so they really didn't perfect that too much. But the film is still a very good thriller. I highly recommend it. Four stars all the way. Good times. If you haven't checked out the film in a long time, I recommend you check it out again and see if your feelings still hold up. So that's my review for Pet Cemetery. Let's go ahead and get into some emails. All right, now I have my uh, my good old buddies email me in, which has been some good times. So if you want to email in the show, remember it's Sweep Delay Podcast at Yahoo.com, and uh, it's good times getting the same guys. Uh, you know, we're kind of one big. Uh, I wouldn't say big, but it's kind of like we're just one small collective group, and uh, it's good times, you know. I definitely don't want to be the biggest podcast show in the world, that's for sure. I, you know, I have 30 people that download the show every week. Uh, I adore it. I love it. I thank every single one of you guys that download and listen to the show. And I have about 21 people on the Facebook page. So, if the remaining one of you know remaining guys, if you haven't liked the Facebook page, please do. That way, you can get my discussions and my news and my postings and just interact with the Facebook page. I'd love to hear from you if you want to email in. It's some good times. So, uh, my first email comes from Sebastian, and he goes, "Hello, this is Sebastian from Newmarket, Canada, in the breezy plains of Romania." Uh, here's my thoughts on Pet Cemetery. Is it just me or does Stephen King appear in all of his films based on his books? I believe this is true, sir. Uh, in this movie he played, uh, he was the pastor or the priest at the funeral for Gage. So, uh, if so, then he is an Easter egg for fans of his work to find in each film. Yeah, I definitely would agree with that kind of like good old um, Stan Lee in the Marvel films, so good times there. Alright, so here's what he had to say. He said, Rem- reminds me of the Observer from Fringe. They sometimes would have uh, speaking parts, and the rest of the time, we the fans must find them as they walk or stand still. I haven't seen Fringe, so, uh, Fringe, so I can't really relate to you on that one. Sorry about that. He said, I give this movie three out of five stars for the cast and the concept of losing a family member and what costs or links we are willing to go to see them again. There are many plot holes in this film which are better explained away in the book. Uh, I definitely have to finish the book. I know the books are usually always better than the films, but I really enjoyed the book. And the book and the film, there's a lot of differences. Some things are the same, but there's some things I noticed that are completely different. So I definitely want to finish up the book there. And uh, he said, like the neighbor who knows of this ancient burial ground that can bring the dead back to life, the neighbor knew of the terrible things that would happen if this place was used, uh, but told and showed how to use it to the dead, which, that you know, that's kind of one of my... You know, one of my biggest things I was talking about. He said, none of this would have happened if the neighbor kept his mouth shut about it. This is very true, but at the same time, we wouldn't have a film. Because if it wasn't for Judd, the whole Pet cemetery and everything that happened in the movie wouldn't happen. So you kind of have, as I said before, you kind of have to go along with it that either he's just stupid or uh, you just got to go along with the fact that if he had good intentions 
and he maybe thought things would be different, but by the end result, after church came back, he knew that it was just like the old days, and that's what caused Gage and everything else to die after that. So that's kind of the two ways that you have to look at Judd's character. Is either one, he's completely stupid, and he went along with it, you know, my whole drug drug dealer theory, or the fact of he actually had good intentions, was hoping things would be better, it wasn't, and he felt sorry for his actions. So the majority of people are going to go with option two. I like to go with option one because it's funny, but option two is more likely what his intentions were supposed to be. So thanks, Sebastian. Appreciate your thoughts on that. I actually got another email from him, which I'll read after the rest of them, but I'm just kind of going in order. Okay, so I got an email from uh, my boy John uh, MC, which he's listed as John MC on uh, Flicks and Film of Focus and Show Me to Winston when he writes in, which I know Show Me to Winston doesn't do emails, but he said he's wrote into them. Uh, I got a new nickname for him, which I cleared with. I cleared him on Facebook on this. I said I'm going to call him John the Mailman because I have John from Philly that writes in, and then I had John MC. So to keep it straight, we got John from Philly, and then we got John the Mailman. So that's your new name, sir. You dig it, I dig it. So going forward on Sweep Delay Podcast, you're John the Mailman. So good times. So here's what he said. He goes, hey, Mike, it's John the Mailman, even though he says John MC. He said, it's good to see that one of my movies won. And Freddy vs. Jason is good time, so it's a win-win for me. Which, like I said, Freddy vs. Jason uh, probably is coming next week. Because uh, Tuesday is when I'm recording The Crow. And probably uh, the next day or, or so on and so forth, I'll get Freddy vs. Jason. But uh, usually when I record with somebody, editing takes quite a while. So, And like I said, I'm not going to release The Crow until Halloween Eve. Uh, so uh, I'll have some time, but Freddy vs. Jason is definitely coming to you before Halloween. So he said, uh, I haven't seen Pet Cemetery in forever, and all I really remember is that the cat dies and the little boy dies, and a picture in my head that will never go away. So sad. I hear you, sir. Those are the two biggest things that I remember uh, when I before I rewatched this film. He said the reason why I picked it was because it's an older movie. And I've been wanting to rewatch it for a long time. So why not try and have others join in and talk about it? Now, to my thoughts. I still like it a lot. It gives me this feeling I don't feel too much only during movies like The Blair Witch Project, Paranormal Activity, and Quarantine. Scared. I feel they set it up real well. I like the people and the f- and I feel their pain. Maybe I like it because of the little boy because he's small like a puppet and I have a puppet thing, which, yeah, he loves the Puppet Master series, which is, which is hilarious. He goes, I don't know, I just like it. It ends so sad and that's how I like my horror movies, but not this one because I care too much, which it's kind of funny you like your horror movies to end sad, sir. I mean, don't you want a horror movie to end good, but what horror movie ever ends good, right? And he goes, I have to give it a five on that alone. Can't wait to hear your thoughts. Have a great show and keep up the good work. He goes, John MC, which John the Mailman from Upper Darby, Pennsylvania. And we just had a talk. He actually changed his rating. He said he gave it too high. He said it should be like a 4.99. And I said, well, you actually gave it a higher rating than I did. And he goes, well, yeah, I thought it was too high, but that was kind of my biggest reason, which, you know, I explained to him. He goes, yeah, the girl's definitely annoying, and it was real good times. So he said, P.S., so I have a big DVD collection. What type – oh, he said, so you have a big DVD collection. What type of order is it in? Okay, 
with my DVD collection, here is probably my order. I have uh, definitely categories. I have my uh, comedies, and I don't care the year, really. I do it all by comedy, uh, action, which action is definitely my most amount of movies that I have. Because that's the thing my wife and me love to watch is action and horror. So comedy would probably be like my... I actually have more comedy than I have horror films, I would say. So action's probably my biggest. Comedy would be my second. Horror would be my third. Uh, I got chick flicks in there, which uh, some great chick flicks that I absolutely love is 10 Things I Hate About You with Heath Ledger, uh, jo uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Excellent film. The soundtrack is amazing. So I'm definitely going to be reviewing that. I'm not going to be doing a lot of chick flicks, but the ones that are awesome are 10 Things I Hate About You, um, we have Some Kind of Wonderful, 13 Going on 30, uh, The Breakup with Ryan Reynolds and Sandra Bullock, It's Good Times. Um, those are mostly in my wife's section are all the chick flicks. Dirty Dancing's Good Times, but uh, that's not really in my side of the, of the cabinet. Then I have uh, Drama, and then I have, um, I have Science Fiction, which if it's Science Fiction Horror, I'll put it in Science Fiction. Um, unless it's real hardcore horror, then I'll put it in regular horror. Uh, then I have TV shows. All my TV shows, even ones I tape, because I have a DVD recorder. So when I have a DVR, I'll tape movies off my DVR So or TV shows. So any TV show like uh, I want to keep, I'll put in my TV show section. And then I have my Blu-rays, which I have all my Blu-rays together. I don't really have those organized. I have them organized by my favorites, which would be Batman Begins, The Dark Knight, uh, then like Day After Tomorrow, which looks amazing in Blu-ray, tra Transformer movies, that kind of stuff. Uh, I would say that that's pretty much my categories for my for my films. Uh, it's a lot easier that way. If I can just think of a film right off the bat, what category does it fit in? Okay, I can go there and I can shift through um, through a couple hundred different movies unless it's a small category. Drama is probably my least amount. I have, because um, I, I like drama films, but I don't like to watch drama films, if you know what I mean. You know, drama, if you want to be depressed, I'll throw in a drama film. But uh, drama is my least amount of collection that I have, because I collect really great drama films. Alright, so thank you, John the Mailman, for writing in. I really appreciate it. Good times. Alright, now, let's get into a new emailer. Uh, this is some good times. And he actually covers some movies that uh, I've not talked about yet, or uh, but I'm still gonna I'm still gonna go through the whole email and, and talk about what he has to say. And this comes from Anthony in California. It goes, "Hello there, Masunas. First off, I want to say that I've been a fan of Sweep the Leg for quite some time. Ever since I heard it mentioned on a couple episodes of Flicks, and decided to give this podcast a shot, I haven't been disappointed. Well, thank you, sir. I really appreciate it. You know, and Jason and Dan are definitely a big supporter of my show as much as I'm a big supporter of their shows." You know, I love flicks. I love Show Me to Winston. You know, I absolutely love and adore those shows. They're, they're awesome. Um, you know, Crossroads, uh, we have, because Jason's on there, which if you're a fan of Supernatural, is good times. Um, you know, The Shadowy Flight, which that's a Night Rider podcast. They haven't done a lot, but, you know, I definitely um, love flicks and Show Me to Winston and Crossroads. And whenever those show up, I, I like instantly have to listen to them all the time. And, uh, 
you know, adjacent to me, it's always a good time because uh, if you guys don't know, on the projection booth and on Doomcast, he's recently been on some of those episodes. And things have kind of gotten crazy a little bit where they all like to rip on me. Because like I said, I'm kind of like the black sheep of the podcasting family, I like to say, or like the little brother that uh, likes to get picked on. I love and adore it. And uh, it's if they're not picking on me, I always think something's wrong. And they always say I bring it on myself, which there's in one of the emails coming up, uh, I'm going to talk about something that was just done. But, you know, it's I kind of thought that there was like this podcasting war going on between me and Jason because, you know, I I got mad at him and he got mad at me and then we ran at each other. And then he's just like, dude, I don't know what you're talking about. There ain't I have my life's too busy. I have no idea what you're talking about. So whatever war anybody thinks that we have is not there. It, it's just kind of funny because it all started with the whole uh, I'm trapped in a time capsule thing. And uh, then when he said that I only like 80s movies and I think everything else is after that is crap, I did my little rant. And then he thinks, well, Mike's pissed off at me. So every time he was talking about uh, something like, oh, you better watch out because you don't want to piss off Mike, you know. And it, it was me and him, we joke a lot. We're very sarcastic to one another. Uh, it's always a good time. Uh, Ty gets in there. Stars gets in there. Uh, it's always good. They they just kind of it builds up and stuff. So I'm definitely a humongous supporter of those guys. I mean, like I said, they're my sponsors. I couldn't do this without them. Um, I love and adore all of them. It's always a good time, and uh, I'm so glad that people from the flicks. I'd like to say the Flix universe or the Crossroads universe have come over to check out my show. Um, I've gotten, a, you know, a lot of great fans, you know, John from Philly, uh, John, the mailman, Sebastian, all those guys came from that area and, uh, have attached themselves now to my show as well. And it's great getting to know everybody, especially on Facebook. You know, um, a lot of them are my personal, like, you know, my friends on Facebook, not just to sweep the lake and just having random talks throughout the day is always a good time. So I definitely, uh, love the fact when people come over and just say that hey i heard your show from this one so you know those guys are always going to be my sponsors i'm always going to pimp their shows because they're awesome they're great people and uh and it's always always a good time so uh here's the rest of what anthony had to say he goes um this is the first time that I'm emailing you, and the reason being is because I couldn't find the email address until now, and I decided to give some of my thoughts on some things. And uh, I'm pretty sure I give the email address out on every episode, so if you guys want me to post that somewhere just for future reference, let me know, and I'll throw that out there. So he says, I'm glad that you did episodes involving the Halloween series. It's one of my favorite horror series, and I try to check out whenever one of them's on TV. My favorite from the entire Halloween series are 1, 2, 4, and H2O. Uh, like you, I'm not a fan, which he says in a capital letters, I'm not a fan of Rob Zombie's version, and I have to say that while the 5th and 6th ones aren't as great, I consider them still watchable, which, you know, I pretty much said the same thing, even though I go in the order of 1, 2, H2O, and then 4, you know, you got some great picks there. And you're right, 5 and 6 have their problems, but they're way more watchable than I could ever watch the Rob Zombie stuff. He said, speaking of Halloween, have you ever seen Halloween 25 Years of Terror? That was somewhat of a documentary 
documentary DVD that was done for the series and the impact it had on all the fans. While uh, I admit that it wasn't my favorite done that centered on a horse series, that goes to Never Sleep Again for the Elm Street series, but found that it was still worth checking out. Halloween 25 Years of Terror is excellent. You know, even... Um, I really dig it because they have like a whole convention and they talk to each of the Michael Myers and uh, the reviews are really, you know, like the interviews are really good with the fans and I really dig that. Now, I, I definitely agree with you. The uh, Never Sleep Again is probably the best documentary I've ever seen. I mean, that one's like three hours long and they go in-depth through every movie and just talk about the good stuff, talk about the crappy stuff, they like rip on part two. I think that uh, Never Sleep Again is definitely the best uh, horror series documentary and I would say Halloween 25 Years of Terror would probably be number two and then His Name Was Jason would be number three. That's probably the order that I would put it just based on quality and, and the uh, quantity that you got. But yeah, I definitely agree with you that that was an excellent documentary and some of my, a lot of my information I said through the reviews that I did did previously all came from uh, that show he said as far as some of the movies that you plan on doing in the near future I can't wait to hear what you have to say about them haven't seen Pet Cemetery for a long time so I don't really remember anything everything that happened although I do remember that the little kid in the movie Miko Hughes was really creepy and did a good job remember that he was in Wes Craven's new nightmare and did a similar job there as well uh, yep, definitely. He was he was awesome in that film. Freddy vs. Jason is one of those movies that even though it might not be the best when compared to the other Friday and Elm Street movies, it's one I enjoy watching every once in a while. Not saying it's the best from either series, but it isn't as bad as most critics claim to be. Now, granted, I've reviewed Nightmare on Elm Street 1. I haven't talked about any of the Friday films but uh, Freddy vs. Jason, when I go through that review, I'll kind of give a, a fast input on my thoughts on the Elm Street and Jason series and what I like and uh, don't like about um, about that movie. And uh, yeah, it's, it's uh, going to be some good times when I get to finally talk the film. He goes, now the crow. Now, I was thinking about saving this part for Ty, but uh, I think it's good to talk about now as well. So I'm, I'll probably bring it up with Ty just to see if he has any thoughts on it. He says, the crow is an absolute favorite of mine. It's said that Brandon Lee tragically died during the making of it, as I'm sure that this perhaps could lead to his career becoming better than it was at the time. Hands down, it's my favorite of the series, although the third, Salvation, and the fourth, Wicked Prayer, are ones that I'm okay watching if they're on and have nothing else to see. I'll tell you, sir, Wicked Prayer, man, that movie sucks. I'm very surprised that you want to watch that. I mean, I love David Boreanaz. I thought he was excellent in Buffy, Angel, I flip and love Angel, I love Bones, one of my favorite TV shows, but man, that movie sucks, dude. I'm really surprised that you can watch Wicked Prayer. I mean, Salvation, I give you that. It's watchable. I mean, no doubt about it. Number one is the best. Number two, the problems with that is you can't understand a single word that that guy says. And number three, you know, was pretty interesting. But, I mean, I definitely wouldn't say that they're good films. But if you want to say that they're watchable, yeah, I totally agree with that. Except number four, I just, I can't believe that you can actually watch that movie. But, hey, to each their own, man. If you dig that movie, then all, all for it, sir. That That's awesome. So, he goes on to say that I also completely agree that a remake doesn't have to be made and there's no reason to do so as the original is good as it is. My opinion on that 
So take it for what you will. I definitely agree, sir. Like I said last episode, even God himself doesn't want that movie to be remade, and I'm all for it. If that never gets off the ground, I'm going to be super happy. Because it's one thing to make a sequel to these films, but to remake the film that Brandon Lee did. I mean, I'll put it out there right now. The Crow's a five-star film. I have no doubts about saying that even before I even give my rev- or the review of The Crow. That film is amazing. It's I consider it to be the greatest comic book film ever made, period. And, and that's you know taking a comic book and putting it into film. I definitely think that The Crow is the best. So, uh, and now Batman Begins is my favorite comic book. Uh, you know my favorite comic book hero, and Batman Begins is you know my number two favorite film of all time. But The Crow, if I'm looking at a comic book wise, made into a film, The Crow would be the best. And he says, uh, before ending this email, I was wondering if you could shed uh, some quick thoughts considering a few things. Uh, concerning a few things. He said, those being the recent release of The Thing and upcoming Paranormal Activity 3 and the start of the second season of The Walking Dead. Uh, the Thing. I haven't seen the, uh, the, the new one, you know, the prequel or whatever you want to call it. I definitely dig the actress that's in it. Uh, I will definitely check it out, especially when it hits DVD. Like I said, I don't see a lot of movies in the theater, just financial-wise, and just movies that my wife and me agree on going to see. But I would definitely check it out for DVD. So when I do see it, I will let you know what I thought of it. But I definitely dig the the John Carpenter's version. That one was awesome. Uh, as far as Paranormal Activity 3, I have to see 1 and 2 before I can see 3. Now, uh, today I just listened to Jason and Dan's review of Paranormal Activity 3 because, you know, I wasn't really caring about spoilers too much. And their review was awesome. So I, I definitely say listen to it because they don't give away too much stuff. In fact, they want you to watch it before they really get into it. So I'm pretty pumped to watch it now that I know what it's really about. So I'm going to go check out Paranormal 1 and 2 and uh, and give you my thoughts on that. And then check out 3. But if 3 is is the best, then I mean that's kind of what I'm getting the vibe of. Is 3 is just as good as 1. So that's kind of the vibe that I got. And um, so... I will let you know when I see the other two. And as far as Walking Dead, I've seen season one, loved it. I haven't watched season two yet. I have it in my DVR. So again, when I start getting to Walking Dead season two, I'll let you guys know what I'm thinking there. He says, uh, I'm likely to go wait for the DVD to see the thing, probably go see Paranormal Activity 3. And I believe the second season of Walking Dead has started off great and will continue in what has been a great show. Sorry that the email went so long as it did, which, dude, I don't care. I mean, the longer the email, the better. That's the way I look at it. I could care less. Because, like I said, I get, like, three emails all the time, you know. So, hey, I don't care, you know. Send me a long email, a novel. I'm not going to complain. It's all good. He says, I'll end this already long email by saying keep up the good work and uh, that you're doing on this podcast and can't wait to see what you plan on doing in the future see ya anthony well thank you sir i really really appreciate your email uh good times um hopefully you will be a continuous emailer like john the mailman and john from philly and sebastian always a good time now jason wrote in once before and that was on my uh worst films ever which was good times but you know jason jason's a busy guy so him trying to write in on a podcast is kind of hard to ask him to do but it was you know i have one from him which is awesome so if i haven't heard from you feel free to email in like i said sweet philly podcast yahoo.com so my final email again comes from sebastian but 
this one's kind of funny uh, and on, on a different topic. He says, hello, Halloween 2, comma, best sequel ever. Okay, so let's stop the presses right there. Okay, this is a funny story. If you haven't heard this, this is the history behind it. Okay, so Ty from the Crossroads Pod, or the former host of the Crossroads Podcast, which went into retirement, but uh, is going to be on the show for The Crow and occasionally does the projection booth and Doomcast. Uh, he recently reviewed the Halloween films, just like I did, which was good times. It was good to hear the thoughts. And Jason was on there in Stars. It was a real good review. Now, uh, they wanted he requested that you send in your top 10 favorite films uh horror films and it was good times cuz Jason was ripping on me for making Halloween 2 my my pick above scream which you know that that was funny but here's the thing in the thing i said you're doing my all-time favorite horror film John Carpenter's Halloween and then Halloween 2 even better what i Obviously, when I put comma in Halloween 2 even better, that's to say that you're doing Halloween 1, that's awesome, and the fact that you're doing number 2 to go along with it, that's so awesome. That's the point I was trying to get across, but it was taken as I was saying number 2 is better than number 1. And of course, Jason's like, I just listened to a show, and he said that number 2 has a lower score than number 1. You know, and They're just giving me a hard time. It was funny, but that's kind of what that, that line from Sebastian is about. So if you guys want to hear some good ripping on Masoonist, I highly recommend you check out some Doomcast and the Projection Booth because it's like an instant Masoonist soonest rip on day over there it's it's always a good time so but that's the deal there is uh with that with that comment there so he goes do you or uh listeners have any halloween tradition that you do every year for me i uh do watch many halloween movies or halloween themed movies all month or the week of Halloween or Halloween day. Okay, here's my normal traditions that I do on Halloween. Um, I The only costume I have is the ghost, ghost face, man, you know, costume from the Scream movies. And I also have the mask of uh, Scary Movie. You know, the guy with the tongue sticking out. What's up? So one year for work, I went in with the front of my face as the what's up face. And then the back was the scream mask. So it was like from one face, I'd be this way. And from the other side, it'd be that way. Well, I kind of did it now where I'm dressed as the ghost face killer when uh, my kids, uh, they're dressed up in their costumes, whatever they change it to be. Uh, when we answer the door, I always answer it in that costume. It always freaks kids out, but it's nowhere near an awesome like Michael Myers or Jason or anything like that. But that's what I do basically. Uh, I take my kids out trick or treating. I'm dressed in the scream outfit. Uh, after we're done, I come home and the rest of the night I hand out candy uh, in my scream outfit. Uh, as far as horror movies go, you know, I pretty much watch them. Trying to watch them away from the kids. My kids have a bad habit of wanting to watch Michael Myers. Uh, you know, and then of course, then I let my oldest one watch like Halloween 1, which she's nine years old. And I was like, dude, I was nine years old when I saw it. But then she had nightmares. I was like, and then my wife yelled at me, well, why'd you let her watch that? I was like, you know what? You shut up because you let you watch this crap too when you're eight, nine years old. So, you know, it's better that they're watching it with me than flipping by themselves. So, you know what? So they haven't watched anything after that. Um, but I did show my nine year old silver bullet and she absolutely loves that movie. It has no nightmares. So go figure, right? 
my youngest one though uh, walked in and uh, whenever she sees Ghostface she screams hysterically so this year when I come downstairs dressed as that it's gonna be interesting to see where that goes but uh, that's that's pretty much it just do the do the trick-or-treat in give our candy in the ghost face costume and uh, and then just watch some Michael Myers late at night when AMC is ending their Scarefest. And AMC Scarefest used to be awesome. But uh, lately they've gotten some crappy movies. So Sci-Fi has been 30, doing 31 Days of Horror. And I've enjoyed that way better. Because they're playing some really good movies. A lot of B-movies. After Dark Productions has some great films. Husk is awesome. The Final. The Final is about this group of kids that are being um, bullied. And uh, instead of torturing them, they torture them, but not like the hostile way where they'll take like the prettiest girl, put acid on her face and say, we're not going to kill you. We want you to be ugly on the outside, as ugly as you are on the inside, stuff like that. Real good stuff. And Sci-Fi Network's been showing some pretty gruesome stuff. So that's kind of how I've been watching the horror movies lately. So that's basically what I have for emails. Uh, Let's go ahead and get into the music spotlight. Uh, real quick before I get into the music spotlight I just wanted to say um, one thing we were talking about is favorite theme songs in the music thread so I want to know what's some of your favorite theme songs like I love the Fall Guy theme song that song's awesome uh, Night Rider is obviously a good time but uh, theme song usually has words to it so like what do you like do you like uh, you know A Team is mostly music but I really dig the fall, guys. So send me in what you think are really good. We got Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. That's a really good theme song. Um, so, yeah, I, I want to hear your thoughts tonight when you email in on your favorite music uh, album stuff. So here we go. Since Pet Cemetery is a really sad movie, um, you know, emotionally invested, I noticed a lot of people are, especially with the kid and stuff. Um, I'm kind of going to go the fact of you know it's a sad movie i want to end the show on a high note so here's the deal you know the most powerful words in this world are three simple ones which is i love you and a lot of people forget to to say that especially frequently you know and don't ever don't ever leave the the house without telling you know your kids or your wife or your or your husband or just anybody that that you really love that you know I love you because you know what you never know when you walk out that door if you're coming home you never know if it's their last day you never know when it's going to be the last time so you know what don't don't be afraid to say the words I love you especially if you've never said it to somebody in particular you know like me and my father uh, I've never said the words I love you to my dad even though I do love him and I know he loves me it's just our relationship was pretty uh, pretty hardcore um, real. I was in a lot of fearfulness with my dad. So uh, as, as much as I love him, I've never been able to say the words I love you. And, you know, it changes so much. So that, that's that's my thing is to uh, practice what I preach, so to speak, and uh, to head over and, and talk to my dad, just tell him how much I love him. Because you know what? Like I said, you never know when it's going to be your last time. So this song, this song is for all you people out there uh, to never forget to, to tell somebody that you love them. This is from my boys DC Talk. It's called Say the Words Today. Check it out. You'll totally dig it. And uh, and that's it, guys. This is Masunas out. Take care.
Just so-